Thorn slowly entered the park and searched for the priest. Tassoni was alone on a bench, his back to him. He moved forward, circling the priest and confronting him head on. Say what you have to say. Tassoni's eyes fluttered and his hands began to tremble. When the Jews return to Zion and a comet fills the sky and the Holy Roman Empire rises, then you and I must die. The book of Revelations predicted it all. I'm not here for a religious sermon. You said my wife was in danger. Go to the town of Megiddo. In the old city of Jezreel, there see the old man, Bugenhagen. He alone can describe how the child must die. I'm here, said Thorne quietly, because you said my wife. I had a vision, Mr. Thorne. She is pregnant. Thorne was stopped, taken aback. You're mistaken. He will not allow the child to be born. He will kill it while it slumbers in the womb. What are you talking about? Your son, Mr. Thorne. The son of Satan. He will kill the unborn child and then he will kill your wife. And when he is certain to inherit all that is yours, then, Mr. Thorne, he will kill you. Thorne shook his head, pointing a trembling finger at the priest. I've heard you now. I want you to hear me. If ever I see you again, I'll have you arrested. Turning on his heel, he began to move away. Tassoni calling after him through his tears. You'll see me in hell, Mr. Thorne. There we will share our sentence. In the sunroom, Thorne and Cathy were having breakfast. Damien was noisily riding a bike around the parquet floor bumping insistently into Cathy's chair and screaming like a train engine as he played. Mrs. Baylock, Cathy called. Thorne was seated across from her, untying the newspaper, jolted by the anger of her tone. Mrs. Baylock ended at a near run. Ma'am, take him out of here. He's only playing, objected Thorne. I said take him out. Yes, ma'am, replied Mrs. Baylock. She took Damien by the hand, leading him from the room. As he went, the child gazed back at his mother, his eyes filled with hurt. Thorne saw it and turned to Cathy with despair. She continued eating, avoiding his eyes. We have a problem, Robert? Yes. I want no more children. Ever. Thorne searched her face, waiting for more. Is that all right? If that's what you want, he replied. Then you'll agree to an abortion. I'm pregnant. I found out yesterday morning. Thorne was ashen, and his hands trembled as he stared at the table. Beside him the phone rang, and mechanically he picked it up. He paused, not recognizing the voice. What? Who is this? The caller hung up. Thorne's eyes were filled with alarm. What was it? asked Cathy. Something about the newspapers. Some person just called me and said to read them today. He looked down at the folded newspaper in front of him and slowly opened it. His eyes fell on a photo on the front page. What is it? What's wrong? But he was unable to reply and she took it from him, finding the object of his gaze. 
It was a photo of a priest impaled on a window pole. The banner beneath it reading, Priest Crucified in Bizarre Tragedy. Cathy looked at her husband and saw that he was shaking. Thorne rose stiffly and began to move out of the room. Did you know him? asked Cathy. But he never replied. Cathy looked again at the photo, and as she read the article she heard Thorne's car starting, disappearing down the drive. Cathy busied herself with household duties. She stood now on the second floor landing with a pitcher in hand, wondering how to reach the plants that hung suspended just over the balcony. Behind her, in his playroom, Damien rode his bike, making the sound of a freight train, the sound intensifying as he rode faster. In the hallway, Cathy stepped up onto a stool. Damien accelerated and shot outward from his room, his bike colliding with Cathy, sending her flying, clawing air as she toppled into space. By the time Thorne got to the hospital, the reporters were already there, shouting questions and popping flashbulbs into his eyes. He pushed through to intensive care. A doctor appeared, quickly walking toward him. Is she all right? Thorne asked. She'll recover. She has a concussion, a broken collarbone, and some internal bleeding. She's pregnant. I'm afraid not. You do know she jumped. Jumped? From your second-floor balcony, apparently in full view of your child and his nanny. Thorne arrived home after midnight. A phone was ringing and he raced to his bedside to pick it up. Hello. It's Jennings. I'm in Chelsea and I think you'd better meet me here right away. Something's happening that you ought to know. Jennings entered his dark room, gesturing Thorne to follow. He turned on a small lamp, spotlighting a group of photos. On top was a shot of the small priest, Tassoni. Thorne turned to him with dismay. Where did you get this? Took it. I thought you were looking for this man. You said you were related to him. Just look at the picture. That shadow over his head? asked Thorne. Yes. Then look at this. Jennings removed the photo and replaced it with the one carried on the front page of the newspapers. The priest impaled on the spear-like pole. Thorne sat stunned. I can't explain it either, said Jennings. That's why I started digging. Taking a pair of tongs, he turned to a tray, lifting out an enlargement, waving slightly to let it drip before moving it to the light. I've got some friends at the police. They gave me some negatives. As Thorne's eyes fell on the enlargement, he winced. It was in three separate panels, each a different death pose of the priest's naked body. His body was completely normal, continued Jennings, except for one small item on the inside of his left thigh. He handed Thorne a magnifying glass, guiding his hand to the last panel. Thorne looked closely, seeing the mark. It looked like a tattoo. What is it? asked Thorne. Three sixes. Six hundred and sixty-six. Jennings swivelled in his chair and opened a drawer, producing a tattered folder. The police dismissed him as a kook, let me rummage through and take what I wanted. Jennings rose and moved into the living room, Thorne following. There the photographer upended the folder, spilling its contents onto the table. He sifted through the items, flicking on a bare bulb that hung suspended overhead. 
he found a newspaper clipping and handed it to Thorne. It's from a magazine called Astrologers Monthly, a report by an astrologer of what he calls an unusual phenomenon, a comet that took the shape of a glowing star, like the star of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Thorne studied the article, wiping perspiration that formed on his upper lip. Only this one happened just four years ago, June the 6th to be exact. Does that date ring a bell? Yes, answered Thorne hoarsely. Then you recognise this second clipping, replied Jennings, lifting another scrap from the pile. It's from a newspaper in Rome. It's the birth announcement of your son. That was also June the 6th, four years ago. I'd call that a coincidence, wouldn't you? Thorne's hands were trembling now, the papers fluttering so he could barely read. Was your son born at 6am? Thorne turned to him, his eyes filled with anguish. I'm trying to figure out the mark on the priest's thigh, the three sixes. I think it relates to your son. The sixth month, the sixth day. My son is dead, blurted Thorne. I don't know whose son I'm raising. If you wouldn't mind, Mr Thorne, said Jennings quietly. I'd like to help you find out. No, groaned Thorne. This is my problem. You're wrong, sir, replied Jennings sadly. It's my problem too. Thorne turned to him and their eyes held. Jennings slowly moving into the dark room and reappearing with a final photograph in his hand. There was a small mirror in the corner of the priest's room, said Jennings with difficulty. Happened to catch my own reflection in it when I took one of the pictures. Thorne's eyes moved to the photo and his face registered shock. There was something missing. It was Jennings' neck. The head separated by a blemish of haze from his body. It was raining in Rome, the thunder rumbling ominously above them. They made it to a waiting cab and moved slowly through a downpour toward the other side of town. Ospedale di Santo, said the cab driver as he came to an abrupt stop. This isn't it, Thorne said. Si, Ospedale di Santo. No, è differente. Ah, replied the driver. Fuoco, molte morte. Inside the hospital, Thorne found an English-speaking nun who confirmed that a fire three years ago had reduced the old building to ruins. There was a priest, a giant of a man. Spiletto. Yes, replied Thorne excitedly. Spiletto is he. He lived. The monastery of Santa Benedictus was stark and gothic upon a hill. We don't know if he can see or hear, said a monk who stood over Spiletto in the monastery courtyard. Since the fire, he has not made a sound. We pray for his recovery when his penance is complete. Penance? asked Thorne. The monk nodded. He's fallen from grace, for abandoning Christ. Come with me. Spiletto's cubicle was bare and box-like, containing only a straw mattress and a table made of stone. It's drawn on the table, said the monk as they entered. He wrote it out in coal. Spiletto's wheelchair clattered as it crossed the uneven stones, and they gathered around the small table, seeing there the strange symbol the priest had drawn. He did it when he first came here, said the monk. 
We left the coal here on the table, but he has drawn no more. It was a grotesque stick figure. What immediately caught Jennings' eye were the three numerals over the stick figure's head. What about the sixes? asked Jennings. Six is the sign of the devil. Why three of them? We believe it signifies the diabolical trinity. Thorne glanced at Spilletto and shuddered at the glistening, frozen face. Father Spilletto, he said firmly, my name is Thorne. The priest stared mutely upward, unmoving, unhearing. It's no use, advised the monk, but Thorne would not be stopped. Father Spilletto, there was a child. I want to know where that child is from. Thorne shouted into the mute, unmoving face. I beg you, where is she? And suddenly they were jarred, the very atmosphere thundering around them as the monastery bells began to peal. Then Thorne looked down and saw it. The priest's hand was beginning to tremble and slowly rise. The coal, shouted Thorne. Give him the coal! Jennings' hand moved quickly, grabbing the lump of coal from the table and thrusting it into the trembling hand. As the bells continued to peal, the priest's hand jerked stiffly across the stone, forming crude letters that wavered with each impact of the deafening sound. 